what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer of the Action Network, finally back in beautiful Colorado after I've been to Las Vegas for NBA Summer League. Hope you enjoyed our episode from the Blue Wire Studios there. And to New York City for our Action Network Better Collective Summit. So I was in the Big Apple for a couple of days, getting all things ready for next season in the NBA, talking about new content ideas, all sorts of stuff, and as well as hanging out with Jay Money. It was really great to hang out with Jay Money and Jim Turvey in New York. Brandon, unfortunately, was not able to make it because, well, the the entire U.S. transportation system, (laughs) as far as flights go, uh, completely melted this week. And so Brandon Anderson, who joins me now, NBA Futures Analyst, um, I got to get my guy on because, Brandon, I you were having some very, very, very well-deserved time off. And so I did not <laughs> want to bother you when I was in Vegas. But on the other hand, I was also like, I got to get Brandon on because I know my guy's been watching Summer League and I know he's got <laughs> thoughts. So today we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about Summer League. We'll go into some of the rookies that we saw, some of the, the guys that we saw, some of the teams and kind of get some thoughts. And of course, that'll be heavy on Rookie of the Year because that's the easiest way to kind of get something that comes out of it. And I do think that we're actually going to have a live market versus last year where Brandon and I were like, well, that's it. Palo Bancaro's going to win Rookie of the Year. <laughs> And what do you know? He did. We'll get to all that and more today. I want to let you know that everything we talk about in today's episode can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get up a second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You get so much cool stuff. Check it out right now in the Action Network app. All right, Brandon, I hope that you are uh, having a good offseason um, before football, um, you know, be- beats the hell out of you for six months. Um <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, only like eight Sundays away from opening day. I, I love, I love when we post those things on social media. It's not like a doomsday clock for me at all. It's great. I'll admit, I looked it up. I was like, ooh, there's only so-and-so days left. <laughs> I was like, I'm very excited for the start of football season. So, uh, because, you know, I like to gamble. You like to gamble, you like football. <laughs> and we will start, Brandon, with a discussion from NBA Summer League. You, a sicko who watches every game. Me, a sicko who winds up going to Vegas every single year. Uh, and uh, honestly, I have a really great time. This one was in particular a lot of fun. I wasn't there as long as I would have wanted. Uh, lots to get to. Lots to talk about. Fascinating draft class. Fascinating rookie of the year race. Uh, we'll talk about all of it in detail here on the show. Let's go ahead and start here. Uh, Victor Weminyama has an absolutely miserable, boring, dull lifeless <laughs> first game versus the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I wrote up a lot of my thoughts on that game and including some of the takeaways from his second game, which I was already gone for. Um, second game was a bounce back 27 and 10, like much closer to what we kind of expect the conversations. Look, you wrote a lot about the hype and about how ridiculous it was. You are in on Scoot Henderson as, as in part as a result of that as, for rookie of the year. We'll talk about Scoot in a minute. Um, a lot of the time, I think playing against the conversation is a benefit to us. I think we're able to play against the conversation. Like 
two years ago, being able to be like, that was what made the MVP race really frustrating last year is like the conversation won. But most of the time, <laughs> you and I are able to play against effectively the conversation. Um, this one is tough, I think, for a, a lot of reasons. I think, one, the market's not giving us an opportunity to fade Wembenyama. We're just really not. We're not getting a huge opportunity to bet against them. We got a soft win total that's it's too high, I think, for sure. Like I, I think that we could definitively say that 30 and a half, I think, is way too high for this team. Um, the props are all ridiculous. We'll have better props when we get closer to the start of the season, when we actually get like his points per game and rebounds per game line. But like the the market's not giving us a huge opportunity to play against the hype other than rookie of the year. And then on the other side of it is like, there was a little bit of overreaction. I thought to the first game from the perspective of he didn't dominate his game. I don't think is well suited to dominate at summer league. I don't know that it's well suited to dominate in the NBA right away, but it's especially not built to dominate in summer league where guys have practiced together for six days and everybody's trying to make a team. And then the other thing is honestly just that like, this is going to sound crazy. Charlotte's summer league team really was garbage. Like it was, it was truly garbage. I bet against them every game. Charlotte came into that game with a very, I thought not, it's a good game plan, but like their game plan very much was like, don't let this guy show out. Like, we're not going to be the team that, that Victor Wamanyama embarrasses and is all over the highlight reels about. They were sending doubles and triples on him whenever he was trying to drive. So all of the things that make him good, we're not able to be done because the Charlotte Hornets were like, we're going to throw three bodies at you. You got nobody on your team with you. You got nobody. You got no guards. You got no centers. You've got no wings. You've got nothing. This is summer league. We're going to disrupt you. Um, I will get to your thoughts on, on what you saw from him. My biggest takeaway honestly was this is that it's a good encapsulation of why he was such a great prospect, but won't be a dominant player right now. He has exceptional handle for a guy who's seven two, he's a great shooter for a guy. Oh, hold on, hold on. Seven two. Did he just like lose like three inches? There's no way that dude is seven two. <laughs> seven four. Let's go seven four. Um, he's a great shooter for a guy who's seven right. four. Um, he's a great passer for a guy who's seven four. Like, all of it is built around, wow, this combination of skill in this body, except that none of his, like his body doesn't let him do the body things, the, the height things. And even though he's got an exceptionally tight handle for a guy who's seven four, that's still a yeah. very high handle you can attack. And so all of this kind of makes it to yeah. where um I think Victor is going to be an incredibly impactful winning player in his NBA career, but I do not anticipate him coming in and averaging 25, 15, 12 right away. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, that would be a, a pretty shocking line for him. The, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, that the, what you're describing as the good handle for a 7-4 guy, you know, all the things for a player of this size, Reminds me a lot of a show that I watch that my parents watch too. So it's like a family bond thing is we do America's Got Talent every summer. It's the big talent show. I'm sure you know what it is. And a lot of times you get like the seven-year-old kid who comes out and is so shy. And all of a sudden they just belt out this amazing sounding song. You're like, what? 
How is that voice coming out of a seven-year-old? This is amazing for a seven-year-old. What a great song this is for a seven-year-old. And they do like the golden buzzer and the confetti and everyone loves them and everyone watches them on YouTube. And then fast forward like a month and it's like the third round now. And now you have to compare them to like the actual singers, the guys who have done this for a living. And you're like, oh, well, so cute story, but actually this is a talent show and we can't just vote for the cute story anymore. So to be clear, I'm not saying Victor Wembanyama is just a cute story. Like that's that's not the part of the analogy we're doing here. But yeah, I, I think actually what we saw both with Victor and, and with Chet Holmgren too, it's great to have these super tall dudes that can handle and can pass and that look like a Kevin Durant type player. We saw a little bit almost with both of these guys, especially with Victor, almost they feel like too tall on offense. Yeah. That like when you're dribbling, the ball has to come up a long ways. And it turns out that gives you a little more time for all those guys who are crowding you, crowding you physically because you're pretty thin to just strip the ball off of you. We, we saw Wemby and Chet lose the ball a lot because you got a high dribble. And also like we get their guys shorter than these two can get their shot off. Like they don't need to be seven foot everything to shoot these open threes over guys. Like they already were tall enough for that. So I think that there's a little bit of that where it's like, okay, Actually, the height is just offensively is actually could be a hindrance in some ways to the dribble. I thought game one, really, we just saw like a, just a weird atmosphere, like a super hype, super fun. You were there. It was very clear on TV. Like it felt like like a playoff atmosphere, the sound of the crowd, like, but but not a playoff game, though, because it was this weird thing. Like nobody cared. Nobody cared who won. Nobody cared about Wemby's teammates. I forgot who they were in playing that game. By the way, Brandon Miller, number two pick, was a lot more concerning that game than Wembenyana was, despite what the line came for him on the box score. But everybody only was there to see Victor do stuff to the point that people just cheered and went nuts the second he got the ball. To And like, if you're that guy and everyone's been waiting for you, it's gotta throw you off, right? You're just like, everybody's here for me. I guess I'll jack a three up right here. And I thought game two was supposed to be a game against Scoot. Scoot didn't play because he got injured. And so I think that the buzz died down a little bit, like in just an appropriate way. Like it just was a more normal game. And it's like he, he looked like he played basketball. He looked like he was just like, oh, okay. So back, back to the stuff I'm just good at and do those things. Yeah. Okay, this is fine now. So I, I don't feel like it was worth overreacting to game one. To me, the takeaway game one is that I, I love the passing. I yeah. thought the reads he made and some of the interior, the quick decisions, especially like, again, for his size, that's huge. And for his size, size matters on passing because you can get extra angles and pass over dudes and see guys that others are not going to be able to see. So I thought that was great. My overall takeaway from summer league, we, we saw two games, so not that much. We've seen a lot of Wembenyama on NBA app and, and French league finals and all that. To me, the takeaway is kind of what I had the takeaway coming in. I don't know yet if Victor Wembenyama is going to be the next LeBron or the next superstar. You don't know yet. Nobody knows yet. I think we're going to see his rookie year a lot of what we saw in summer league, which is 27 and 10 one night, eh, kind of an off night the other night. Like we're going to see the flash. Everyone's going to go crazy. And then the next game is going to have nine points. Because, you know, they crowded him a little bit. And the Spurs, frankly, are are not good. They're, they're not a good roster. There's they're some pieces there. 
having having Jones at point guard and to actually get him the ball is going to help a lot. Like there were times he'd be posting up and have like a foot on a guy and they'd just be like, ah, it's summer league. I'm going to jack a three now. Like that's, yeah. that's how it goes in summer league. So playing on a real team, at least a little bit will help. But I, I think there's going to be, it's not going to be consistent production. He's going to get consistent rebounds and blocks because the height is just going to allow that to happen. But there are going to be nights where he picks up foul trouble quickly and just doesn't really ever get into a rhythm. There are going to be nights where he just doesn't get shots up because, you know, Malachi Branham is getting the shots that game or Keldon Johnson or, or Devin Vassell or whoever. They got a lot of those guys are going to get their shots up. So I think the flash will be there. This in part is why I didn't love him for rookie of the year just immediately. I think it's going to take time and I think it's going to be inconsistent. And that's what we saw at summer league, but you know, he's going to be a good player. Would you agree with me that, that it, there is entirely a wide range of outcomes, a decent percentage chance of him winning rookie of the year that like you and I can be like, we don't find the market to be accurate, but there's still like a world in which it's like, no, no, no. Yama is still the best rookie. And he still wound up winning rookie of the year. Like, even if you think that Scoot has a better than 50% chance of winning it, like, even then, there's got to be, like, I think there's a still a significant chance and a wide range yeah. of outcomes where Victor winds up winning. I, I think, yes, specifically because, like, I, I would definitely make him at least top two to win the rookie of the year. I would put him well ahead of Chat or any of the others. And I think two things that will be heavily in his favor that normally don't matter for rookie of the year, but will because of the hype here is number one. I think the advanced numbers are going to like him because the, all the hidden defensive stuff, like the just shot deterring and all of that, he's going to be good at all those things. Some amount of good, not great yet because he's a rookie, but he's going to help all those things. So his BPMs and EPMs and all that is going to be like, like we did with Walker Kessler this year. We're going to be like, Hey, you know, this is a pretty good player. He's not getting the points tonight, but he's really winning impact. People are going to notice that they didn't really care with Walker Kessler. Cause he was just a random dude in Utah. They're going to care about the number one pick doing that. And, and I'm curious too, as we're recording this before the weekend, as you're listening to this, I think we will already have summer league, uh, you know, all summer league teams, summer league MVP and all that. I'm very curious to spot did victor weminyama get any votes for mvp or or all all summer league team how about chad holmgren they shouldn't because they didn't play enough to earn it but the hype is so big on these two guys and they were good at moments to earn it from like a particular game i'm curious if just the hype is going to earn a few extra votes because to me that's my biggest fear in my scoot bet is that victor is not the traditional rookie of the year and doesn't have the numbers to pull it off but looks pretty good, has enough flash, and voters are just like, you know what? 10 years from now, I don't want to be the guy that did not vote for the next LeBron James rookie of the year. I'm just going to go ahead and tie tie goes to the seven-foot giant that's going to be generational. I do think there's a real fear for that with Weminyama enough to give me some pause, but I, I still like Scoot. Too big to fail, one might say. Uh <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk about the other guys. 
Um, let's talk about Scoot first. I have I have Alma in the rundown first. Let's talk about Scoot first. So wrote about him a little bit on the action app. Um, everything that he was billed as looks amazing. He's a tank. That's the first thing if you're listening to this and you, and when you see him on Portland in preseason, you're gonna be like, who is that? And it's gonna be Scoot Henderson because he's just a tank. Like he is this little, yep. he is he is he is this medium sized guard tank that just like tears through. Uh, next level passing, willing passer, playmaker, superstar. Like he you step he steps on the court and you're like that's a superstar. Like that's an yep, NBA 100%. superstar. Carries himself as such. Uh, the number you got, what was the number that you got that you originally bet Scoot Henderson rookie of the year at? Uh, I originally got plus 600 before yeah. the draft even yeah. happened. And so there, there are no 600s left. You're not right. going to get a 600 anymore. Right. So 600 is 15% implied. Uh, we're at 400 now, 20% implied. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that change of 5% differential? And we're talking about 5% change in implied, which kind of tells you sometimes how we overreact to like, I don't really want it at 600 or at 400. You know, I guess it's like, it's a 5% differential here in the implied, like you're still getting four to one return, which is really good. Um, What are your thoughts on that shift on the number? Yeah. And where Scoot's at in the market after the women Yama hype ran into a few roadblocks. So, yeah, I, I think with the number, with long shots or longish shots, I guess, he's not really a long shot. He's number two on the odds board. But, you know, with with odds that are not like a minus 110 or something toward just a, a typical game line, it's not so much the implied that moves the needle for me because, you know, you can go from like, you know, plus 1,000 to plus 2,000 and your implied odds have only moved a few percent, but your payout just cut in half or double yeah. depending on which direction you went. So the, you know, the payout from 600 to 400, we just lost a third of the payout. That's the real difference, not the 5% implied. Um, so to me on the long shots, that's like, you, you got to always get the better number there because the payout is increasing exponentially more quickly than yeah. the implied odds that you're losing. So that is the thing to watch for. That said, I, I haven't done the deep dive work that I'll do on a rookie of the year. We'll have a whole episode on it eventually, but I'm pretty confident that Scoot will be my favorite to win rookie of the year ahead of Weminyama. And I also am pretty confident that between the two of them, I'm going to guess I would make them like 80% at least versus the field. So if that's the case, if I'm going to give 80% to Scoot and Wemby, and if I have Scoot favored, then that's at least 40, then Basically, we're at like a plus 150 or longer. Like, I think if I'm setting up a board myself with odds, I don't think I'd make him longer than a plus 200. And he's plus 400 still, so I still like it. Um, to the number itself, the only thing that I would question is, I don't know if I need to grab it right now, because we already lost the 600. That's gone. All books seem to have it around 400 now. Is there any chance that this Dame thing drags out into the season, Dame plays, and we get maybe like 15 to 30 games, maybe until January 1 or something, of Scoot sharing time and seeing deflated numbers because of that, even just enough that at least we're getting a better number then. Even if you still like Scoot for the Rookie of the Year, you still get a better number because the numbers got deflated for 10, 20, whatever games. I don't really think that that's likely, but the Dame thing feels like it's starting to drag out enough that it has to at least be in play. What do you think? We're recording this on Friday night. 
Uh, I'm going to bet at, with the market that has it open, Damian Lillard to be on the tri- Portland Trailblazers to start the season. That's where I'm at. Does he have to play a minute for them for that bet to hit? Yes. And I would still bet. Do you think that there's a chance that he would be on the roster and not play and just sit out and pout for a few games until they trade him? Do the, no one, the James Harden? No one, no one believes it. Yeah. No one. That's what his representation is is projecting. And everyone's response that I've talked to is, ha ha, good one. That's funny. Damian Lillard sitting out. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know Dame. <laughs> Petulant superstar, non-hooper. Yeah. Especially in all places in Portland. Like he's yeah. he's he's burned bridge a little bit by by what's happened here, but everyone will will forgive and move on. But until the season starts and he's on the roster and just not showing up for games, I yeah, it's another place, maybe, maybe he, he pushes the chips in further, but in Portland, yeah. that's hard to see. I would tell you that if you're of Brandon's thinking, and I'm I think I'm probably with Brandon on this about him that he should be favored. I don't think he should be a minus number. You, like, are you with me on no, that? No, I, I agree. Should not be a minus number. Right. So it shouldn't be a shouldn't be odds on, but he should be the favorite. Um, so it, it it's like here's how I would say it. There's good value now. There might be great value later. You're not going to lose value by betting it now by by waiting in terms so, of so but this, let me ask you that. Let's yeah. say that by the time that uh, that le- this weekend, before this podcast post, Damian Lillard got traded. He's in Miami, right? Yeah. Like that's clearly where this is headed if it goes quickly. Don't you think the number shortens a little bit after that? That Dame yeah. is now officially gone and, and we dropped to 350 or 300? So, no? So in the market, we actually can, can do this by correlated market, right? The Heat are a heavy minus number for that to be where he winds up playing his first game. Uh, sure. They are minus 270. So even if you want to say that these markets are not correlated, which I yeah. would kind of find surprising, I don't like maybe it goes to plus 380. Like we get 20 cents. Sure. Right. So like you but, might. But that information is is worth losing the 20 cents to have the information that we have the clear runway now. Right. That's how I would say it. Um, and, and also it's entirely possible we get to preseason and when Yama has like even a one game where he drops like a 40 in a preseason game and the number just goes bonkers in his favor. Like we saw that last year, Chet Holmgren had one huge summer league game yeah. and we got this like extra 50 cents on our Paolo back yeah. for one night. Yeah. It wouldn't be shocking with Victor, with the hype has to be him that we get, or, or maybe Chet, but probably Victor that we get like the hype boost and, and a little scoot, uh, dipped there yeah I, I just to comment on actually what we saw there we only got one game I, I was texting with with you and our colleague Raheem Palmer like I think Scoot enters the league as like a fringe top 20 point guard right now wow. and that sounds crazy for a rookie point guard because rookie point guards aren't supposed to do that Scoot's not really a rookie he's been a professional point guard leading a professional offense for two years already not just one G League year like he's been running real offense yeah. generating good shots. The numbers are way better with him on the court. His teammates' numbers are better. He looks the part. We'll see how the shot comes around, both the jumper and, and the three. But, like, the power is there. The defense is, is there because of his his body, his length, and he's got these monster hands. He, he I love, too, even though he hasn't played since then, I've been, you're right, watching just all week all the games. And every time that there's a Blazers game on, they try to interview Scoot during the game. He is a hilarious summer league interview because 
this dude is a born leader and he yeah. is all in on whoever's playing for the Blazers. They'll like Doris Burke, poor Doris will ask him a question. He'll get like four words into a sentence and then yelp about like something his teammate is doing and shout out praise to them. Totally lose focus on the interview. Then coming like, okay, sorry, sorry. What are we talking about? Like he's in, he is that dude on and off the court. He's the star in Portland. He, I think um, the Blazers almost have to feel better about the whole thing they're in right now because like you want that dude to be the face of your franchise yeah. and, and to move forward with him. Yeah. Um, it sucks that his two major television appearances have ended with injury because like he didn't have major injury issues throughout the season. Like it was fine. Um, I, this term is, 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 is sacred and I use it very rarely. Scoot Henderson's a motherfucker. Like that's going to be the, the, the thing that they're going to say about him. Cause, and what the reason I use that spray specifically is how he's wired is that when he's on the floor, he's trying to kill you. And those guys are not, are not common though. That is yeah. uh, my wife hates the, the description of athletes as he's a special talent. She's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, <laughs> but being an MF -er is special in that not everybody's wired to try and kill you every second that they're on the floor. And that's how Scoot Henderson plays. Yeah. And then, uh, and if you don't believe that, just feel robbed that he did not play that game against Weminyama, because if you would have seen him play for five minutes against Weminyama, you would have seen the killer instinct because yeah. he would have gone right at him over and over again. Um, you, you mentioned that, that for the, for you and them, it's like a two, it's basically a two man race. Uh, I will go ahead and I will say that um, I'm in Thompson who, by the way, longtime professional scouts that have been scouting him for years still cannot agree on how to pronounce his name. It's really funny. Um, I I love this kid. I love I love the minute he stepped on the floor and made one play. I was like, oh, I sat in my I somebody was laughing because they're like they were looking. They just happened to be like looking down the aisle and they saw me like sit up and do and do. <laughs> you're, like, you're literally the meme of like the, the video game guy yeah. that sits forward when Amin yeah. steps on the court. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very much like. Oh, okay. Uh, love the, love the combination, yeah. the size, the passing, the athleticism. I think he's going to be the type of guy that makes winning plays consistently, carries himself the right way. It was really funny seeing, like, th this was not a great weekend for the uh, overtime elite haters. This was not a great weekend for <laughs> for for those that were like, well, yeah, but they haven't played against you know any serious competition because both I'm gonna both twins or both brothers looked amazing. Like they just looked terrific. Yes. Um, and so we've talked about Houston and our win totals pod. There's a lot of guys in front of him. I get it. It's Fred Van Vliet. Jalen green is, is a two guard. Dylan Brooks is a two guard kind of like there there's well, wings. Dylan, Dylan's going to start the three, right? I'm yeah, not going to start the three, but like he'll play some two. I get it. Talent makes me want to bet him at 40 to one, like at 40 to one. I will take a flyer and be like, I'll plant my flag on that guy's island and be like, I like this guy enough at 40 to one that to say like that number yeah. is wrong. I think there's a world where he wins. Uh, Weminyama, we talked about like if if he underperforms and Scoot gets hurt, that's a pathway, right? That's a pretty decent pathway. Um, so for me, I am willing like of, of all of the guys, he was the guy that was most impressive to me. Uh, versus like my expectations. Cause I was like, yeah, no, he's athletic and has good size should be a good player. And then I saw him and was like, I can't wait to watch the rockets. 
And so that's a pretty <laughs> big difference because I've watched enough Rockets yeah. and my eyes bleed the last three seasons. Um, what did you see from the Thompson guys? Yeah, I the Thompson twins, I just did not get to watch much of this year. You know, I go deep on all the draft stuff. Overtime elite games were not easy to find, and I just yeah. didn't have as much time this year. And spoiler alert, I'm not actually a professional scout. I don't need to have a finalized draft board by draft night. I think that's a spoiler alert to myself, actually. <laughs> so I did a little less work this year than I would love to have. That meant that I ended up being cautious on the Thompson twins. I had, for a long time, I had Amen third on my board behind Scoot and in a similar tier to Scoot because of what I heard from people about the upside, about the explosion, the athleticism. It all sounded great. I just didn't see enough or, or the parts I did see on tape. I wasn't confident enough. I was worried. I was the guy that you just talked about. I was the guy that was like, I don't know, man. You played a bunch of 16-year-olds. They didn't really have like organized offense. They're doing transition. I had a lot of skepticism. And I, I described, I think, in something I wrote or was said, I don't know. I said a lot of draft stuff. I felt like I didn't mind missing on the Thompson Twins. I mind missing on the Thompson twins. Now they, to me are the takeaway of summer league, both of them. Awesome. I'm in, I'm in on both Thompson twins. Weirdly. I'll talk about Amen in a second. We've seen only one game from him. We saw him against scoot and then they both got injured and both were done after that. I've seen Asar play all the games and maybe this isn't fair, but in a positive way, I love what I've seen from Asar and the instincts and the passing and like all the stuff people said were there for both guys. I've seen from Asar now in a bunch of games enough where I'm like, shoot, man, if that's all good for him, add that to the stuff we saw from Amen too. I really like him now too. So Asar to me, like I think I had these guys, I think I had Asar at nine and Amen at 11 on my draft board. If I had to do it again right now, and it's only been like three weeks later, Amen is number three on my board behind Scoot and probably in the same tier as him, partly because I had a big drop to the rest. And I think Asar might be top five for me now. Like he, Asar has been great. He's athletic, not nearly as much as his twin brother, but the feel for the game, both of these guys have that I doubted. That was my big thought is I, I just, I worried that these were like, you know, in college football, you see guys get recruited and this guy's a quarterback and this guy's a safety and this guy's an athlete. You know, sometimes that's their position. They're just yeah. athlete. Yeah. I kind of worry the Thompson twins were athletes, yeah. that they were just these like crazy hyper athletic dudes playing not basketball, that they were just like playing overtime elite transition ball. And so I just was cautious on them. It is very clear from the moment you watch either of them play the game they get it. The feel is yeah. there. Like all the guys that raved about these guys don't care. They don't care about the numbers. They just want to win. They just want to play ball and stay out of the spotlight and win. And then you watch and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I see that immediately. The passing, the feel, the spacing, both of them are incredible in transition. And then on men, the athleticism super pops like on a court with Scoot Henderson, by the way, Amen Thompson's athleticism stood out. Uh, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, like that is effectively was an NBA game. You watch those are basically yeah. the rosters for those teams. And he was leaps and bounds, literally the best athlete on the court. I, I do wonder with Amen, did we get slightly a more positive view of him than we would have 
in that we didn't really see him shoot much. I believe he had nice one nice rhythm three. That's the big question with him in the immediate future is can he shoot? And Asar had the better shot. I think if we'd gotten three more games from man, I wonder if we would have been like, okay, well, that's going to be the big swing for him. Okay. We didn't really get enough ball to see the the shooting factor. So I, I love it. I love the twins. I'm in on it. I can't get there on rookie of the year because I just, I, he's, he's going to win off the bench. Like, I, I don't know where yeah. that's at unless we get a Freddie injury, but the talent is there. And Wembenyama is so hyped at a minus number, which we don't normally get on rookie of the year that these long shot odds are just way too long. And he's so good at 40 to one that I can't stop you from playing it, even though I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, there's nobody else. I think that I really want a position on uh, some of the, if you're looking for long shots and we've kind of talked about how long shot is not a great bet in rookie of the year. There's an exception yeah. to that rule, Damian Lillard, et cetera. In general, it just doesn't work out that way. Um, a couple guys I will mention, uh, Anthony Black and Keontae George are two that I would, I would probably to say that based off of how they looked. Anthony Black in particular, not only based off of how he looked, which was he was just effortless, like just looked effortless, but he's going to have a real opportunity to, I think, have a, a larger role as the season goes on. I think that they are open to moving Jalen Suggs. And so <laughs> if they're open to moving Jalen Suggs, they're probably more open to that given when Anthony Black showed them, which they need offense. And that kind of provides them with a guy that can do that. Um, they're still working on an extension with Markel Fultz. Don't know how that's going to work out. And that could wind up being like Suggs moves over to point because they've tried to play him there a bunch. So there's a lot, a lot of ways that this kind of works out. Um I don't want to bet Anthony black now, but I will just say that he really showed out and everyone was very impressed by him that I spoke with as far as a guy that the guys that knew were even the guys that were in on him were even like, looks even better than I expected. So Anthony black had a really good summer league. Yeah, I, I agree fully. And I, and I'm one of those that you just said, I was in on him. I think I had him top five on my board. He still stood out. Even that to me, like he, he just pops as, a guy who gets it, a guy who has feel for the game. You see, like they do the mic'd up thing. He was a really fun mic'd up guy because you see him as a rookie, this brand new 19 year old on a summer league team full of strangers. He's just met and he's like arranging the defense and you go over here and you cut on this play and he's like coaching up the team. Like he's that guy to, to me. We've seen more recent years, Lonzo Ball. We've seen Dyson Daniels. We've seen these guys who are like that connector role that that we're kind of creating as a thing now in NBA teams. That is Anthony Black, except he's also tall and he's a really good defender too. I saw really impressive defensive playmaking, defensive positioning. I'm excited. I don't know if I've said this sentence in my life before. It's since like the 90s at least. I'm excited for Orlando Magic basketball. I yeah. want to watch the Magic Welcome. this year. Anthony Welcome. Black, like Orlando to me is building a specific thing, which is Anthony Black is going to be a guard, but he's a big playmaker. He's he's tall. That now gives you Anthony Black and Franz Wagner and Paolo Boncaro, three big handling playmaking dudes. And like, we, we look, we just saw Denver, the big team in the finals. We saw that the size advantage they had Orlando seems to be building a team where they're like, hey, what would happen if all five dudes 
on our team were big and could dribble and handle. Like we've seen like the five out teams. What if there's like a five point guard team? Like what if Franz and Apollo and Anthony Black and whoever else they end up adding? I, I don't, I, I just feel like I see something coming together there and it's not yet. I'm not in on the Orlando over and all that. It's going to take some time. I don't think Anthony Black is a rookie of the year candidate because he's not really a scorer. He's going to do all the other things, but he's not going to put up like, I don't even think he's a 15 points a game candidate as a rookie. Yeah. Paolo's going to hit shots. Wendell Carter, Franz, like there's a lot of guys there and Black's just not wired to score big amounts. He's going to have like a two point game. Some will just be a part of the flow of things. So we know rookie of the year is about numbers. I don't think he's going to score enough to be in the mix of things. I think he's a guy that most people, probably including myself, I'll be honest, because I'll be watching football. I think Black's going to have a really nice rookie season without most people noticing. And in like March, people will be like, hey, you know who's been really good this year? Anthony Black. And then people will look and be like, wait, Anthony Black? The guy that's averaging eight points a game for the Magic? That's your guy that you're excited about? It's like, yeah, because... He's averaging six rebounds and five assists and, and and a steal and a half. And he's he's making the plays. And like to me, that's Anthony Black. I think he's gonna be good and help the team, but not have the stats for it. How about this? 11-9-4 with uh 2.7 stocks per game. Like that doing what, what is that number? That sounds about right. Is that what his line was for yeah. summer? Yeah. 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 I, I think that's about right. To, to me, I, I have those two names you said highlighted as rookies I want to talk about. Do you remember? I think that we, and I say a lot of things, so it's okay if you don't remember. I believe you and I had a phone call shortly after the draft, and I was telling you, like, I don't even know who I would bet on rookie of the year other than Scoot and Victor. I don't even know who I'd have as a sleeper. I gave you one name that you were like, what? As like, it was a way down my board as if I had to bet some long shot rookie of the year. Do you happen to remember it's somebody who was on the jazz, but not Keontae George? Oh, I thought I was about to say Keontae George. No, it was not Keontae George. Do you remember who it was? Who was it? It was Bryce Sensa, the guy who I That's hate, right. who is like off my draft board entirely, but I was that desperate to find somebody for rookie of the year. For that reason, part of the why I liked him potentially is because I think the Jazz are a team that could have some opening for some points and scoring. You need the numbers. You need counting numbers. Keontae George, I think, is actually who I meant by Bryce Sensaba because he's going to step into a spot. They need some guard play there. He's been really good in the summer. And I know you were not high on him in the draft. A lot of the intel you were getting was, was very down on Keontae George. I think he had a bad interview process and all of that. He looked incredible in the summer. He got installed basically at point guard. We saw a lot more passing and decision-making from him than we ever got at Baylor. And to me, he's a guy that I was high on for his archetype. You know how I don't like these kind of scoring guard guys. He looks to me like a Devin Booker type player. But what's crazy is we saw the like year five or six Devin Booker running point, making decisions type stuff from a rookie at summer league. Now that's not saying he's Devin Booker right now because it's summer league, but I, I thought he had a similar style of game to him when you see the shooting come around, but I could see if Utah isn't really a contender this year, as I expect them not to be for the playoffs, I could see him maybe being the sleeper. I don't think we're going to need a sleeper because 
We got the guys at the top. But I, I thought Keontae George, if I had to pick someone outside of the top three in the draft, he'd be the guy that I would pick as a sleeper for rookie of the year. Eventually, I'm going to have to get you to admit the Laurie marketing's good, Brandon. Like, we're just going to have to have the no, 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 come no. to Jesus. Laurie's good. Laurie Markin is very good. I still think that Laurie Markin, I think one year from right now, Laurie Markin is not on the Utah Jazz. I think that he he is he has two years left on his deal. The Jazz are not good. The Jazz are a long ways away from being good. And by the time that they have a team worth anything, like really worth pursuing, Lowry is not going to be a great player anymore. He's going to be past the prime. And it's Danny Ainge. And I think the Jazz are set up. I, this is a Danny Ainge feel, not a Lowry thing. I think that Lowry is a guy that gets traded while he has value because he's going to get a huge, huge trade, as he should. He's very, very good. Like I had him fourth team all NBA. That's top 20 player in the league. He's really good. I just feel like this jazz team is still a long ways away. They're, they're crewing a ton of picks. I think that they can basically do another Donovan or Rudy trade and get that again for Lowry, who they got as a throw in, in one of the other trades and just like stockpile even more stuff. That's all. And I think if that happens now, it's a really bad team with a lot of shots that Keontae George could take. Going back to George, uh, 33 points on 12 of 24 shooting in 10 assists in his first game. Uh, then 33 points. For first game in Vegas, to be fair. They they did have a few Salt Lake games already. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Then 26 points on 9 of 15 shooting, 7 assists, 2 steals. Bomb from 3. Like That's, that's a good line. Yeah. He was... He, <laughs> and, and then uh, he, he was going to win Summer League MVP, but he yeah. got hurt. And now yeah, he's yeah. not going to. But I, I think he probably wouldn't want one otherwise. All right, so a couple of more, a couple more guys to kind of wrap up here. Let's do Brandon Miller real quick. Um, my general thing on Brandon Miller is he's gonna, I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna be a fine player. I think he'll play a long time in the league. There's always a chance that summer league doesn't show, and he winds up being an all star, and it it's all that. I, I think the floor is really high with him. I think the ceiling is much lower. And so like, yeah. I don't think this is going to be like a, they took, you know, they took Brandon Miller. What a bust. It's just going to be like, I mean, they took Brandon Miller. Who's good. But like Scoot Henderson and Alvin Thompson and all these guys were behind him. That to me feels like what the story is going to be. Um, he had some pretty good games. He had some pretty good moments. Again, I think he's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> that, that word that my wife hates special did not pop like there was not a lot of moments no. where you were like man brandon miller's awesome and that's okay he could be a really good player no. for the franchise but um it, it's a shame that it's going to be reflect like his career will be will be considered through the perspective of the hornets decision rather than on the merits of just like who he is as a player because i think he is going to be a veteran in the league for a long time yeah, if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, the thing you want to hear about your number two pick you just made is not, yeah, we think he's going to be fine. fine. That's that's just not what you want to hear about your number two pick. So I, I basically agree with where you're at on him. I, I He was terrible early on. He got a lot better. That's fine. You can have a bad game at Summer League. To me, again, Summer League a lot of times is as much about what you don't see as what you do see. You look for the flashes and then you look for the missing flashes. I'm a little worried that I saw missing flashes from Brandon Miller. Like to me, I definitely, definitely did not see high end athleticism. 
from an NBA standpoint. I'm not saying he's a bad athlete, but like compared to what we said about Scoot, what we said about Amen Thompson or Asar Thompson, like Brandon Miller had one huge dunk that I remember, but for the most part did not pop that way. He did not show this, this great first step or this ability to just fly by guys to the rim that you expect from a number two pick. Like the bar is pretty high at number two. Creation, same thing for himself, especially, and for others, just not a lot, not a lot that popped there. So I I feel like we already thought a lot of us that scoot behind Miller was a mistake at number two. It's hard to not think that after what we saw at summer league, I know it feels very early. We got one week of what we saw. We got one game of scoot, but I, I agree with what you said to me. I think when we do the, the, the redraft, right. in like three years and the, the ringer puts out their redraft pod, I think that Brandon Miller is going to be like sixth and be like, oh yeah, he's, he's a wing and he shoots and he's valuable. But like, like Otto Porter was the third pick in the draft back in the day. Otto Porter is a really good player at his peak when healthy. Otto Porter was on the Warriors last year and a deserving NBA champion who played really important minutes for them. He got a huge contract for Washington and deserved it. He was a good third banana type player. Nobody ever got excited about Otto Porter ever in the history of watching him in the NBA. I feel like that might be kind of the path where Brandon Miller goes, where it's like, you know what? Every team needs a wing that can shoot. That's what we said. That's what I said about him. But I think that Wemby and Scoot are going to be ahead of him. And and yeah, somebody else, Amen or Keontae George or somebody down the line, like the other guys who have a higher bust rate, some of them are going to hit the ceiling. And I don't think Brandon Miller's, the, 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 in MJ terms, the, the ceiling may not be the roof for Brandon Miller. So I feel like he's just kind of a safe play that is not really what Charlie needed at number two. Um, a couple more notes here. I, I have a lot of worries, worries about the Pistons. I just, I got a lot of worries about the Pistons. Just, yeah. Jaden Ivey, um, has had some moments, but in general, like, hasn't looked like Jaden Ivey has not, he's averaging like 18, um, on like 41% shooting. There's not enough there for it to be like, oh, like he's way too good. Like he was not way too good for some reason. Jaden Ivy was not too good for summer league. And when you are a sophomore top five pick, you should need to be too good Which for crazy, summer league. Everybody, all the scouts guys, all everyone I talked, you liked him. Everyone liked him. Everyone loved Jaden Ivy had a full year as, as starter and hasn't been great. Just hasn't, hasn't been impressive. I, I, I'm curious. I, I was, I'm very down on Ivy after the summer to me. Of all the guys that took negative impact away from, I think he's he's the biggest by like a margin. His passing, I thought, was all over the place. Like his pass, his passes, even when he got the right reads, which was not always, would like lead guys by too much or not like not hit them in the shooter pocket. He's not getting to the rim. He's supposed to have this great first step and burst, and you should see that a lot at summer league. Like that should pop, like it did with Scoot and it did with Amen. We didn't see that stuff from him. I, to me, like on my like asset ranking thing, I've downgraded Jaden Ivey a bunch. Like the way that you talked about Jalen Soggs with Orlando a a while ago, he's a guy that I was very high on even more so than Ivy. And we haven't seen it with him and we haven't seen it pop with him. I I think Jaden Ivey, I'm very worried about him. I'm curious. 
I sent you my notes of here's the guys I want to talk about. And Ivy was on my list. Are you responding to what I had Ivy on the list? Or is he a guy that you also were like, Ooh, this is not what I hope from him. Yeah. I was also, I, I independently, I was like, it's yeah. not great. Yeah, it's and not like, great. I, don't, I don't want to bag on a guy. I think from the purposes of this show, it's just, I do not look at what Detroit has done and go, can't wait to bet they're over. No. Kate Cunningham coming no, back. Especially, That's... yeah, Ivy is Ivy does not feel like the guy. It's a long, long-term thing still. We'll see with them. But he's not like the guy who's going to come in and make a big jump right away. And combine that with the fact that Kate Cunningham, we only got, like, I think 12 games last year. But in the 12 we got, he did not look great. He did not look like he had made a big step forward by any stretch. So the, the Detroit was a team... Normally, they'd feel like a post-hype team. They were like everyone's favorite sleeper last year, and normally that would make me go contrarian and want to bet the over this year. I, I don't I don't like that. I don't like the way things are shaping up. I think they had – I love Asar on that team, but I think that he's probably like more of a role player long-term, at least in the near future. I think that Detroit thought that Cade and Ivy were their two chances at like the franchise blue-chip guy – and right now at this moment in time, I don't know if Detroit has a franchise blue chip guy. I'm not sure if it's either of those guys right now. Two more things and we'll get out of here. Um, two teams looked especially bad are the Charlotte Hornets and the Toronto Raptors. Um, the Hornets look disorganized and like they have no real plan. Like I bet, I bet against them consistently. I bet against them in Wemby's first game. And even though Wemby didn't play well, they still covered that game. Um Kai Jones had the big dunk on Wembenyama, and like I still like a little bit of what Kai does. Like he might be able to carve out uh, a career. I still like JT Thor. Um, I, I like when I watch Bryce McGowan's. I really like watching Bryce McGowan's play. I liked him last year, and like he shot uh, forty three percent from three. He shot forty three percent from three so far in summer league. That's good. The problem is like he's too small to yeah. be a pure shooter and his two point percentage is horrific. So it's like, there's no, like there's not a lot of creation there. He's just like a nifty guy that I like watching, but isn't going to be an impact guy. Um, well, what about Nick Smith? Your, your guy from Arkansas. What'd you think of him and Charlotte? Um, I wasn't overly impressed. I thought that there was like some moments. He had some, some big games, but uh, he had like a 33 point performance. I feel like he's going to be very hit or miss game to game. And there, yeah. if he gets, it's going to depend on a lot of it's going to depend on like, what does he show up to camp? Like this cliff, like him, I think it's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. As well. It's, it's funny with Charlotte, all of the guys that you just mentioned as someone who like follows the draft very deeply every year and has my whole board and everything, Kai Jones and JT Thor and Bryce McGowan's all these like kind of deeper in the draft guys, every name we just talked about, including Nick Smith, is somebody that early in the draft process, like that year, I had in my lottery and was like, oh man, Kai Jones, let's go. It's my big sleeper. He had this crazy moment in this great game. And then you like watch five more games after that. And you're like, hey, hey, is Kai Jones playing this game? Like what's happening? Yeah. Is he on the court or doing stuff? And the same with JT Thor and the same, like Charlotte's got a type and the type might be, I kind of didn't actually scout you for all the games. I just saw a couple clips of your highlights. And they are not developing these guys. And I worry that like the, the future does not feel bright for Charlotte. And 
Like they, they, they have a lot of talent on the team playing the summer league roster. They should have been a quality oh. summer league team and they were terrible. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the issue here is like, it might be a coaching thing, uh, which I want like, cause it's tough to coach. Summer. Sure. I'm not going to dog a coach for not doing well in summer league. I will say that the, the, the inverse of that is Toronto who felt like they were very well coached and had, zero talent like there is nothing in the <laughs> pipeline for the raptors there's not there is no one coming to save them and that i think is probably impacts a little bit of what we talked about in the win totals episode as well final thing um look i've raved about the houston rockets and about like i even if they go under which you convinced me of in our our other episode i like this team now i'm gonna like them a lot more <laughs> uh jabari smith is a winner like that kid had a really rough beat going from Orlando to Houston. He landed in a disaster of a coaching situation with two guards running the show, doing whatever they wanted. Jabari needs like a, a competent veteran point guard to set him up. Fred Van Vliet will probably do a lot of that. Um, Jabari, I like his defense. He had, he bounced back from a really rough first half and had 18 in the third quarter of his first game. Like, Jabari's big time. Like that guy wants to be great. You can see in Jabari Smith that he wants to be great. And so I think that there's like, I think there's a really bright future ahead for Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, this season with the Rockets. I think he's like, even yeah. I think it's, it's that kind of to put a bow on everything. And this kind of goes back to your, your play on the Rockets under you're probably right. And I'm going to bet with you on the under that's the smart play from a betting perspective. I have a feeling that we're going to get to the end of the year and be like, they don't feel like a sub 30 win team like that they feel like no 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 this team is like next year will probably be like all right it's time to bet the over on houston that's yeah that's i would say i would say big picture I, I look i've i've been betting first bet of the season rockets under like every year that i've been on the buckets podcast and i'm back again but i think that this is the last year like for the first time in a while the first time for me at action network I actually feel good about the trajectory of the team. Like I feel like I start to see it and start to kind of see where things are going. Uh, just a, a couple other bullet points on, on other guys for me. Jabari was one looked like a star. I, I stupidly sent out a tweet at halftime of their first game that well, it was stupidly. It just was at the time. That was the game that you were at. That was the Amen versus Scoot game. And Jabari had done almost nothing at halftime. He had had like three points or something. So I had a whole thing about Amen Thompson. I talked about Shaden Sharp. Um, and and then, sorry, yeah, just talked about a bunch of the guys. And I had a little footnote on my tweet of like, Jabari didn't really do much. We didn't really see him. It's a bit worrying. After that, for the next like four quarters, he scored like 50 points over the next four quarters after that. So he, he got aggressive. I want to see more of that from him. Hopefully playing with Fred Van Vliet, I think will help uh, someone to actually get him the ball and get him some looks. He looked really good. He looks to me like a Jaron Jackson clone. I thought he was great. Jalen Williams, I think we did not even see it. Jalen Williams, Santa Clara version. I will call him that, not the good one version, as I usually do to be charitable. I don't think we saw him at Vegas. I think we only saw him at Salt Lake or wherever yeah. he played earlier. For just a game, he looked awesome. He looks like a star. He was getting to the rim at will. I, I thought he was fantastic. He was clearly a too-good-to-be-here guy. Kaysen Wallace and Jairus Walker, two guys that I was very high on. I don't think we're going to see them make huge impacts right away, but the stuff that you like about them, the winning plays, both of them actually popped athletically and as shooters better than I expected them to. So they impressed a lot. 
Uh, Leonard Miller, my my Timberwolves guy, they traded in for him and got the pick. I had Leonard Miller as a lottery pick. I thought he looked like it at Summer League. Like I think yeah, the Timberwolves good. really got Everyone something there. Up. Yeah, he was fantastic. Two other guys that I had bet to get into the first round that I lost my bets on, Jordan Walsh on the Celtics, Andre Jackson on the Bucks. I thought they both really looked like they should have been first-round picks. They, they, they look like guys... I was paying attention to the second round guys under the new CBA this year. You can now sign second rounders to four year contracts. I think some of these guys, Leonard Miller, Walsh, Jackson, the nuggets traded and got, you know, uh, got Hunter Tyson and Jalen Pickett early in the second round. They're signing these dudes to like four years, 8 million total over the four years. Somebody in this group is going to hit and just be like a dirt cheap quality player for these teams. Like think Herb Jones, who just got 54 million for four years for two more years on a minimum. Think Nikola Jokic, Taco Bell second round pick for like a four year, $8 million deal. I think that's a real thing with these second round picks. So Trace Jackson Davis for Golden State, I think he's gonna come in and, and be a bucket with Chris Paul right away. Some of these guys have been a lot of fun in the second round. So I think we need to pay a little more attention to them now because some of them are going to turn into some of the, the best contracts in the league as they develop in a couple of years. I agree with you, but this is also very self-serving analysis to want to pay more attention to the second round guys. Cause that's <laughs> what we want to do anyway. Um, that's true. I want to save OKC for another time. I think you and I are going to have to have an OKC episode. Like, I think we're just going to have to have like <laughs> the thunder episode and we're going to have to sort through how to bet them what we think about them, all of that. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being along for the ride. We'll be back with more episodes throughout the off season. Make sure to download the Action Network app. My thanks to David Payne, our producer. Sir, you are a gem. You are a, Everyone was raving about you in our office meetings. Unsung hero. Unsung hero, David Payne. And as they were about Brandon Anderson, I will say that as well. Uh, make sure to download the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.